Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a show about things falling apart and is for one final time this week about why and how things have fallen apart in this specific way um i'm 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 your host christopher and today with me i have garrison hello garrison hello how you doing i'm doing fine we're gonna talk about something that is not fine it's not fine at all is in fact extremely grim and bad which is uh part four of our series of deoliberalism i.e uh all of the bad things happen at once so in, 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 in our last episode, we talked about how throughout, throughout most of the third world or, you know, what was at the time known as the third world, neoliberalism is not really imposed by people voting for it. It's mostly imposed by either external forces via coup or by just the IMF going, OK, just we're, we're running the country now. Um, but this this yeah, we're, we're, we're going to shift our focus a bit this episode to the people who were uh I don't know, unfortunate enough, uh, misguided enough, decided that they hated each other enough to actually uh, choose neoliberalism for themselves. Now, one of the, the sort of stories we've been tracing here on sort of a very broad arc is the reaction by neoliberals to a kind of, a kind of compromise that had been worked out between labor and capital, particularly in the U.S., after sort of the open class warfare from the 1930s. And, you know, there, there's essentially there's, there's a kind of deal that's set up informally, which is... So the, the, the working class will stop literally constantly going on strike and showing up the strikes with like enormous numbers of guns and shooting at people. And they will, you know, stop trying to overthrow the government. And in exchange, the state gives you welfare programs. The state will give you a house. And this is, this is particularly after World War II. The American state just, you know, does this massive home ownership campaign. And, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, a union worker, particularly if you're a white man, like the, this, this, you know, working, working, working one of these union jobs will put you into the middle class. You can take vacations. You can have a house. Um, you can get pensions. Your unions are legal now, which is the thing that, like, you know, hadn't happened before. And this is essentially, you know, this is essentially a counterinsurgency tool. 
Um, the, 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 the goal of this is to stop people from, you know, doing the kinds of revolts that were happening in the 1930s. But by the 1970s, it's becoming very clear that this sort of detente, like, can't, it can't really be maintained because it's too expensive for sort of the capitalist states to maintain and trying to maintain both. Well, and, and, you know, the secondary thing here is, is, you know, okay, so this deal specifically goes out to white men, right? Now, in, throughout the 60s and 70s, you get a bunch of other people who are not white men uh, attempting to enter the workplace, attempting to get the same bargain. And, you know, they're in a lot of ways significantly more militant, and this causes enormous amounts of internal strife. You get, you know, the U.S. is murdering the Black Panthers. You get similar stuff in the U.K. And the neoliberals basically are... The people who just fully called this detente off and are, you know, essentially going to return to full-scale class war. And so now, now we, are, we are finally getting to Reagan and Thatcher. And one day we will do a full episode about how Ronald Reagan and a weird shadowy cabal of Italian intelligence services rigged the 1980 election by planting fake stories about Jimmy Carter's brother in the press. Which is... Do you, have you heard that story, uh, Garrison? No, but it sounds like regular media manipulation that happens all the time now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. There's 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 a whole through line there because you know a lot of those like same kind of intelligence tactics are going to be used to sell the Iraq War, and there's there's this whole sort of thing. Then you know there's also the the specific Italian angle of uh yeah the Italian states being run by this rogue Masonic lodge led by a fascist, and it's it's a time. There's a whole lot going on there, but that's you know I'm just I'm just thinking like Hunter Biden laptop and all of that. Yeah, yeah, stuff. It's like, oh, so that's just the same playbook. Yeah, it's it's the same thing, except like they were like actual intelligence people running it instead of just sort of like whatever Tucker Carlson. Yeah, is. <laughs> Tucker Carlson and Glenn Greenwald trying to get people to like care about this thing that just nobody gives a single shit about. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was, but the the eighties version of it was significantly more effective, and you know, the the product of this is that Reagan sort of. Reagan finds like the secret sauce for right wing politics, which had kind of you know, in 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 some ways, Nixon had been trying to develop but hadn't quite gotten right. Which is no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he figures out that you know if if you want to do neoliberalism, if you want to destroy the unions, if you want to destroy the welfare state, the way you do it is basically a combination of sort of racist tax and welfare recipients, and you mobilize new religious right, and this is extremely effective. And it's but I, th I think it's also interesting and worth noting that. You know, if if we go all the way back to episode one, like this is this is Ropke's like white nationalism, like sort of German white nationalism thing. Is this is explicitly what Ropke's sort of strategy for implementing neoliberalism was? The problem is he was German and Catholic, which meant that like it could never work in the U.S. But you know, you get Reagan, suddenly you get the American version of it that is you know white but American, and then also works off of sort of, of off of the sort of mass Protestantism in the U.S. and this becomes a force that is responsible for like almost every bad thing that exists today in some form or another a lot of them yeah i mean not, not all of them but you know it, th th things go extremely badly and you know so so reagan wins this election and then almost at exactly the same time margaret thatcher wins this wins her election in in the uk and that the combination of those two things and also, as we talked about last episode, the Volcker shock, where Volcker raises the interest rates, uh, raises the Fed interest. Become, so Vol Volcker, Volcker is installed weirdly not by Ronald Reagan, but by Jimmy Carter, but is given this sort of mandate to just do whatever, literally do whatever you have to to, to get inflation under control. The thing that he decides to do is just literally nuke the entire world economy. You know, we talked about the, the effects this had on sort of the world in the last episode, but... In the U.S., this sets off a recession that lasts basically from like 1979 to like 1982. Um, at the height of it, it's like it's. I think we finally got more people unemployed during the pandemic, but I'm like 80, 90 percent sure that between World War II and the pandemic, that was the single largest number of people who've been unemployed in the U.S. Which is yeah, which is epochal, just epochal devastation. And you know, there's 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 a whole thing here where. The head of the AFL-CIO is literally begging Volcker, like, please don't do this. Like, we can get inflation under control after, you know, after the economy recovers. And Volcker's just like, no.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The consequence of this is that you you have an economy in which there's a numerous number of people unemployed, and the unions are weak. And both Reagan and Thatcher sort of see this now the, the 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 unions in the uk are in a significantly better position than the american unions uh reagan is able to sort of smash the american unions very quickly there's there's the, the you know the famous air, uh, air traffic control strike where a bunch of american air traffic controllers go on strike technically illegally and reagan just has literally every single one of them fired and replaces them with just like like people from flight school like people who just just like literally anyone he can just like pull off the street who sort of kind of knows how to how to land an aircraft like they pull in people from the military it's it's just like this absolutely wild sort of feat of strike breaking and then you know and when 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 that falls and that that strike fails you know the air traffic controllers well okay funnily so the air traffic controllers had actually backed reagan they were like the only union that backed reagan in the election and they immediately just get you know they get gutted for it, which, like, 
I, I have mixed feelings about because like on the one hand, like yeah, that's that that's what you get, but on the other hand, this is basically what destroys this this and this the consequences of this is basically what destroys like trade unions in the US. Because at this at this point, everyone realizes that the unions are weak, and they just start. You know, you get to the point where employers are deliberately provoking strikes so that they can just fire all the unionized employees, and it's extremely effective. in In Britain, the fight is a lot more intense. Um, in 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 nineteen eighty four, Thatcher cuts coal. Like basically, Thatcher wants to provoke a fight with with the coal unions, and so she basically wants to shut down a whole bunch of coal production and fire like twenty thousand miners. And the miners go on strike, and they go on strike for over a year, but Thatcher had basically stockpiled enough coal to stave off the worst effects of the strike, and then she makes these, like, incredibly elaborate network of deals with, like, she's, like, these, this whole scab driver, like, union, like, basically, basically this whole network of scab drivers to, like, make sure you can move the coal around while the strike's going on. There's all of this stuff, and... You know, and and she eventually is able to crush the coal strike, and this also this just completely annihilates, like the, the British trade union movement. I mean, union participation. I think Dream Thatcher's term alone falls by fifty percent, and it's gotten way worse since then. So, so with with those two incidents, the air traffic control and the coal, did did those just kind of make people be disillusioned, or did that just like pave the way for similar tactics to be acceptable for every other union that tried to do the same thing? Both, and then the other thing was fear, because, you know, so with the air traffic controllers, right, the air traffic controllers are, you know, these are the most highly skilled, like, people, people, in, they're, they're, these are a bunch of people who are incredibly highly skilled, and they're in, they're in, they're in a logistics industry, right? So, you know, in theory, these are the people who have, like, the, 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 the maximum amount of impact if they were to go on strike. Yeah. And when Reagan shows that you can literally just fire 24,000 people of like the most, the most highly skilled sort of workers in the, in the U S you can fire them and just break the strike and nothing will happen. And you know, the, the result is total defeat and none of these people ever work again. That basically spreads this massive wave of fear through the union movements because you know, if they can fire those guys, they can fire anyone. And then, you know, the, the, the employers just start doing it. And the, the other thing that's been happening here is that for Really, since the the end of the forties, the unions have kind of. So we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about this th- more in, in in an interview that's going to come out probably next week about the, sort of the history of American union movement. But American unions basically, so American union, like the union movement was built by radical organizers, and in the forties, and sort of moving on from there, all these people get expelled from the labor movement and labor fights this basically incredibly intense battle against his own left flank and you have you know like for example in in there's this thing called the the the, the dodge revolutionary union movement right which is a bunch of mostly black workers in detroit who are you know they're 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 forming unions and they're going on strike but they're also fighting against against the uh, the uaw because the uaw is cooperating too closely with the bosses etc 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 and there's 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 these you know there's this, there's basically this battle between like not even just uh, basically between the union's rank and file and the radicals and the sort of business union management. And in fighting that battle, the unions had basically like massively weakened themselves. And then, you know, and by, 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 by the time you hit the eighties, especially in the U S the unions are just sort of a shell of their former selves and, and Reagan just sort of like smashes them aside. And then Thatcher, the British unions are much stronger, but you know, I mean, Th- Thatcher's preparing to like, like there's she she has plans to like the army is going to come in and suppress the strike there's these and especially there's there's just i mean just an absolutely incredible amount of police violence um that's you know i mean this is this is something that had like happened before dream strikes but the 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 the, 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 the level of intensity of it is just like massively increased and there there's also another thing that's happening basically at the same time of this which is squeezing the unions from the other side which is there's this, I guess you could call it like an, an internal class war inside the ruling class between, well, specifically inside inside of the sort of corporate management between the sort of traditional like manager CEO class and the sort of like, I, I guess you could call them, I don't know, the, 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 the sort of Wall Street finance bank types. And so, yeah. so yeah, so what, one of the other things that that's happens at the end of 
you know, at, basically after the war is the sort of class compromise I was talking about. Like this, this happens inside of the company too. And people start to see the corporation as like a social institution. It has, you know, it's like, well, okay. So there's this alliance between middle management and, uh, and the workers. And, you know, it's like, okay, so we, we both work with each other. And, you know, the compromise is that you guys got to have unions, but the unions won't sort of disrupt production. We'll all work together. and We'll just make like, I don't know, we'll, we'll make really, really good ballpoint pens together. And so, yeah, you, you have this alliance between sort of middle management and, and these unions, and, you know, and, and this, this is embedded into the structure of the corporation because, you know, you not, you not only have the unions, but you have corporations paying pensions. What, one of the, the, the things that, that Reagan does is that Reagan starts, you know, Reagan does this, this massive series of financial deregulations. And the other part of this agreement basically had been that, like, the, the, the high-level finance class had sort of stayed out of the way of management and so management, it kind of like, you know, the, the, you, you get this like this independent sort of CEO class that that's that's a, a distinct thing that, you know, that, that there are people who come up through the company who are managers and they work their way at the top. And this is a distinct thing from sort of the finance people who are like, yeah, they're not supposed to be allowed to like, you know, to touch production. Yeah. yeah but yeah. In, in the 1980s, the finance people start to look at this and go, wait, hold on. Why are we not running things? And the finance people have, well, because they, they have two things on their side. One, they have a sort of neoliberal ideology. And the second thing they have is, so Michael Milken, he, he figures out that, how to do this thing called a leverage buyout option. It's, 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 a, it's a kind of complicated financial instrument. The, the short and simple explanation of what it is, is he figures out a way to basically go into a bunch of debt. And he, 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 gets, he gets people to give him a bunch of money like in, in the form of these bonds and then he uses it to just buy out entire companies he, he buys 51 percent of the company and if you own 51 percent of the company now you control it, you have a controlling interest and so he, he he goes in and he just he just raises the stock prices of all these companies and now you know but now he he's gone into an enormous amount of debt right in order to buy in order to buy this company and so you know in order to pay off that debt he just starts strip money in the company and so he starts, you know, anything that can be sold for money that he can put in his pocket to pay off his debt starts getting sold. And, you know, every, every, anything the corporate, the, the company is doing, it doesn't immediately make money or doesn't immediately raise the stock price gets cut. And so, you know, there, 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 are, there are two major things that uh, a, a company has that don't immediately make money and don't raise the stock price. And that is pensions and research and development. And... Hmm. This this has you know this 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 becomes known as the 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 sort of this is the hostile takeover wave. This is it gets rebranded as mergers and acquisitions in the '90s, but it's it's this huge sort of wave that sweeps corporate sweeps corporate America, and it turns the corporation from this kind of social body where it's like well everyone's cooperating and companies sort of have this responsibility to like uh, provide for their workers and provide sort of for like the social good into. Literally, the only in, like the, the single entire purpose of, of of any company is to raise the stock price. And that, that this, goes, yeah, yeah, the this is really track. bad. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know the, the the part about it that's awful is that you know okay, so all all literally all a corporate raider has to do in order to buy out one of these companies is be able to is be able to offer a price for the stock that's higher than the stock price of the company. Now, and this means even so, there, there, there's, there's a very famous series of battles. They, they buy out a, an enormous number of companies, get bought out, and just strip mines like this. And you know, and everything again. These are these are very, very profitable companies, right? These are companies with large research and development budgets. These are companies that are making enormous amounts of money, and they're just completely destroyed in order to sort of just like satiate these just like absolute ghoul corporate like vulture raider people. This is you know, if you remember, uh, you might be too young for this, but. Mitt Romney's campaign for so yeah one one of the reasons why Mitt Romney loses is that like he he he's one of these guys like he he's he's like he's the big bang capital guy and everyone yeah. kind of looks at him and goes like you are the reason we like got into this mess in the first place but the the, pro the problem is that these people have enough money and they have enough power they're able to do this and in order to stop them so there there, there there's a mass there's a massive fight between a, a bunch of people try to take over a. Uh, Goodyear, who are, you know, they make the tires, they have the blips. And Goodyear's CEO is like fanatically opposed to all of this because, you know, he he's he's from the old CEO crop who's like, well, okay, we're here to like make things instead of, you know, increase stock prices. 
But the problem is the only way he can stave off the Raiders is by increasing his stock price. And the only way to increase stock prices is by doing the things the corporate raiders are already doing. So he starts slashing yep. pensions, he starts slashing yep. research development budgets. Yeah, and this and this this sort of cycles because now you have you know there's there there's it's it's, it's you're not only having pressure from you know like the government that's that's anti union, the corporations themselves are being forced to become more anti union because they're you know they now have this pressure on them from the top down from from these sort of these sort of finance ghouls, and the finance ghouls in a lot of ways, just the perfect neoliberal subjects, right? Because they, they, they only see the world in money. They see everything as a market. They, they literally think that like, they, they are like these, these like shamans. If, if, if there, there's a really good ethnography that I've plugged before on here called liquidated, uh, an, an ethnography of wait, Yeah. Liquidated an ethnography of wall street where an anthropologist goes onto wall street and works there for a while. And then you can talk a bunch of interviews, doesn't does anthropological stuff. And, and the, the way they talk about the market, they, they literally talk about it as if they're channeling it. Right, like it's like something, and they're like a so shaman. Yeah, these are yeah, these are the, these are that's what's one of the new gods of of our of world. That yeah, that's I mean that's that, that's not a uncommon turn of phrase to describe stuff like this. Yeah, and and but what what I, what I think is interesting about it though is that you know th- that conception of the market of like every person is just like a pure like completely socially unbound like thing of capital that you oh well okay if you lose your job here you can just move to another firm right so this makes sense inside of the context of wall street because these people like like these wall street firms they have they have like like 30 percent turnover a year and so all these people are constantly being fired and shuffled onto the next job and fired and shuffled onto the next job and so you know they so they 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 do they do this very common sort of fallacy thing where they assume that because this is the way that it works for them that this is the way it's going to work for everyone else and they, they genuinely, and a lot of these people genuinely believe this. They're like, well, okay, so the things we're going to, the things that we're about to do, like, you know, when we destroy these workers' entire lives, when we, we, you know, when we close their factories, when we take their pensions, when we literally destroy, like, every community and every, like, thing that's ever existed in their lives, they're like, oh, they'll just pick themselves up and go to another place and they'll be fine. Because, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, a Wall Street finance ghoul, like, yeah, that's, that's what happens when you get fired every three months. And so these people, these people basically take control of of the entire corporate sector. They do, they do this very quickly by you know they they start this in, in the sort of early eighties. And uh, Milliken, the, the guy who comes up with the the, the, the sort of junk bonds uh, leverage buyout scheme, like he he goes to jail for I think securities fraud. They get him for fraud, but it doesn't it doesn't lot, matter. The damage a lot is of done. those guys got oh got yeah for securities fraud. <laughs> yeah. All of these people, like all against again, all of these people are just doing crime. Like no, yeah, that, that's like how even, this is how uh, my finance standards. This is how uh, this, this is how the Action Park guy got kicked out. Got kicked out of yep. Wall Street. <laughs> is is yep. doing doing and, all the same stuff. And again, I I want to put this out. Like the stuff they're doing is so illegal that like even the Reagan administration was like, no, oh, we yeah. have to prosecute you. Like yeah. it's like this is the this is the Ronald Reagan Justice Department, and they're like, mm. it was it was so much crime. Yeah, it's it's really bad, and and you know the the result of this is just basically the total evisceration of of the working class, just like as a movement, and you know all of the left wing parties are sort of reshaped by this, and you know it, and you know we, we've been focusing on on the U.S. and uh and the U.K. here, but this is not the only place this happens, and you know so one of the you know like this this happens this also, this also starts happening like in in socialist states. Um, and we, we talked about this in more detail in our interview with Arnesa Kusutra about Bosnia. But uh, one of the big things that Milosevic is doing in Yugoslavia, in when when he takes power and he starts like actually being a, a real political force in the 1980s, is he starts doing basically all of the same stuff that 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 Reagan and Thatcher are doing. He starts he starts implementing shock doctrine. He starts privatization. He starts um, like. Uh, marketization. He starts cutting 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 price controls. He starts sort of he starts doing. These, I don't know if decollectivization is quite the right word because Yugoslavia's economic system is complicated and weirder than uh, the USSR's. But, you know, he does this and this is one of the things that starts Yugoslavia's death spiral because, you know, you have this enormous economic devastation from the increase in oil prices from the oil shock. And then that gets paired with you know, the, the economic devastation from all, everyone losing their benefits, people losing the pensions, uh, these state-owned industries going under and getting privatized, um, the sort of like 
collective ownership structures imploding. And the 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 product of this is that, you know, Milosevic looks at this and is like, okay, how can I stay in power? And his answer is just genocidal not it's just genocidal nationalism. And this sort of collapse of sort of state and social life is, you know, and and the leaders at the top realizing that they can weaponize sort of nationalism is one of the things that leads directly to the Bosnian genocide. Now, towards the end of the 80s, the whole Soviet bloc starts coming apart. Um, yeah, you know, the Berlin Wall falls, and eventually, you know, the Soviet Union dissolves. And the people who are trying to end the Soviet Union, the things that they want basically are like freedom of speech, uh, the ability to like leave the country, and basically like Scandinavian style social democracy. It and seems like w- reasonable requests yeah, yeah. coming from the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, th- these these people like you know, this is these these you know, like they 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 wanted to live in Scandinavia, and instead they got uh, hey, welcome to the U.S., but like even worse. Yeah, that and so yeah, that yeah, happens if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really bad, and you know what what they get instead is just these this enormous wave of privatizations. Uh, the welfare state just vanishes. And, you know, this, this causes basically like total societal collapse. Um, like one of my, one of my professors, and this, this happens basically across the whole Soviet bloc. One of my professors in college, I think she was from Bulgaria. Um, she, she told me about how during the nineties, like when she, when she was growing up, like she and her family would just, the, the only thing they had to eat was raw millet because there's no food. There's, there's literally no food anywhere. The entire economy is collapsed. Nobody has any money. And so, you know, it's like, well, okay, everyone's just eating raw grain because you know that that's 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 the only thing you can you can you have to survive, and you know it's this it, it's it's literally so bad that in Russia it causes the single largest life expectancy drop in post World War Europe. It's, it's like like it's the life expectancy decreases by like four years because so many people die from this. Um, you know, and and one one of the one of the ways this happens is that there's the so the the, the way they're they're going to deal with like the state owned industry thing is they they. Okay, I've never been able to figure this figure out if it was like they they actually took Murray Rothbard's plan for this, or if they just independently developed Murray Rothbard's plan for for de- for dissolving state-owned industries, which is give like everyone who worked in it a share of the company. And so they do this right, and everyone has these shares, but these shares are just like paper, and you can't eat this paper. So a, a, a bunch of sort of like organized crime guys and the the people who've been you know like like the sort of the people who've been richer or like had been sort of connected party people who are just like i'm just going to cash out start you know just just going through cities and they're they'll you know they'll be like okay we'll give you a pair of jeans or like we'll give you some food if you give us their share and you know everyone people just give up their shares and the result of this is that like just every industry in russia immediately falls under the control of just just like absolutely psychotic oligarchs and you know the the west is absolutely cheering this on that this this whole process is, is engineered by just a bunch of just like pure neoliberal ghoul like harvard like weird harvard grads who get sent into russia and who are like ah we're gonna we're gonna run the russian economy and we're gonna like fix everything and they just just absolutely destroy it and you know the, the west has this thing that they're they're you know they're, they're they're cheering on this whole process they have this thing about how like ah we're, everyone has to do belt tightening and it's, you're, you're gonna suffer for a bit and it'll all be worth it and meanwhile boris yeltsin is just completely drunk off his ass like shelling the parliament with tanks while like the u.s press is cheering and you know the 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 sort of like you know the the tragedy of this is like it's not really like russia got like more free you know like they they still they still torture and disappear anarchists in secret prisons like you know there's they still just like randomly assassinate political dissidents with in, through increasingly bizarre like poison bullshit. They, yeah, they sure do. Yeah, but you know the, the 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 big difference is that a bunch of Harvard grads made an indescribable amount of money, and now no one has any pensions. Um, and there's 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 this great like there's this great Russian joke from this period that goes, uh, it's talking about the communists. Uh, everything they ever told us about communism was a lie, but everything they ever told us about capitalism was absolutely true. Yeah, that, that <laughs> seems to be that seems to be roughly accurate. Yeah, it's, it, it's basically true, and you know, and, and the, the 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 product of sort of neoliberalism coming to Russia is that by 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 the end of the nineties, Russia is just literally controlled by the mob and the these sort of monstrous oligarchs. And Putin's campaign is like, I'm better than the mob, 
and I will bring the I will bring the mob and the oligarchs under control. And this is you know th- this is how Putin takes power because and, and he has failed yeah. to live up to that promise. <laughs> what? I, to to be fair, to be fair, the, the you, you are significantly less likely to just like randomly be kidnapped and ransomed. Not me. No, I have I have written for a website he does not like. I cannot. That's true. That's true. Well, if, 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 you other, piss off, people, if you piss off people. Putin, yeah, if you piss off Putin, you might be held for ransom. But it's like, you know, the number of random people who don't do anything political, who are just like randomly held for yeah, ransom probably. did kind of go down a bit. And like, that's yeah, I mean, all right. All right. Y- y- you got to hand it to Putin. OK, I give him. Yeah. Well, OK, the, 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 the thing I'll hand to Putin is that he restored the state's monopoly on violence. Now that's not a good thing. <laughs> it's now the nothing on violence thing, but, is, but he yeah. did it. All yeah, right. he well he did it, and you know this this was the basis of sort of his his power and political support was that and sort of nationalism. And this is like you know, and, and there's always this the, the sort of liberal line on 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 Putin is like, oh, he's an SKGB guy, and like, oh, it's still communism again, and it's like, no, yeah, yeah, like no, no, and and th- th- this this brings me back to the single thing that I, I i need everyone to understand about neoliberalism which is that neoliberalism does not decrease the size of the state like there the, the, there are more there were more bureaucrats now in the russian state than there were under the soviet union no like, and it definitely in a def- in order for it to operate it definitely extends drastically yeah. the like the hands of the state in yep, terms yep. of like 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 military police law enforcement yeah like all those things in order to keep this weird market-driven thing alive you need to have a lot of like enforcement on people who don't have but both both people who like actually make money and then but mostly on people who don't make very much money um, yeah so it, it, it increases not only like the bureaucratic state but also like the enforcement arm of the state um, yeah and i think that there's 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 two interesting ways this happens one is that well, okay. There's three ways this happens. One is that anytime someone says they're gonna they're gonna do deregulation, like deregulation does not mean that they're going to decrease the number of regulations there are. What it means is that uh, the the regulations are bad for this company, and so they're they're going they're going to they're going to add more regulations in a way that is good for this company. And the thing is, th- this actually this you know this net increases the size of the state, right? They're they're not like they're not like they're not decreasing the number of laws or whatever. No, they're you know they're 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 writing like incredibly like in absolutely incomprehensible banking legislation that like lets banks charge like interest rates that previously only organized crime could do, and then there, there's there's another aspect of this which is that you know so the the the, the welfare that remains right you know becomes means tested, and you know that means that there's so you have the bureaucracy right that like gives you things. And then you have another bureaucracy on top of that that decides whether or not you should be allowed to do the thing. It puts you, you know, there's this, this is just, just this like process of abject humiliation that you have to go yeah, to to receive anything. Yeah, from the state. And it's like, and it, that sucks. And then because that is so awful, there's another layer of bureaucracy, which is like social workers and stuff, whose job it is in large part is to help you bypass the, the, the second layer of bureaucracy. And so that creates another layer. Yeah, there's, 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 there's so much. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And but but this is you know this 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 is one of the things the neoliberals do, which is okay. So you, you know you you have you have you have your two doctrines, right? You have the thing they actually believe, which is enormous bureaucratic military state, and then you have the thing they claim to believe, which is oh the state needs to be smaller, uh, uh, the state needs to be decentralized, the state shouldn't interfere in the market, and so whenever whenever like the things that they do get too bad, they have this other thing they can turn to to go oh yeah uh, the, the reason there's too much bureaucracy is because the state's getting involved too much elect us and we will get rid of the bureaucracy and then you elect them and they make the state bigger and you get you know you get this sort of perpetual cycle. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 
That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think the reason people get confused by this is that when when people when most people think of the state, Right, they they think of the state as something that provides services. You know, the, the quintessential thing a state does is, is build roads. Roads, right? yeah. yeah. And you know, I mean, we you know we can talk about how like the U.S. building roads probably doomed the entire Earth from climate change. Oh yeah, no, but, like the the way that we've done roads around cars and the type of things we make roads. Yeah, it's it, it's horrible. But yeah. yeah, it's awful. Yeah, but but there there's 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 another thing about roads which is interesting, which is that roads are. You know, so the original reason why states built roads was so they can move armies around. And and this comes back to the, the, the core of what a state is, right? There is nothing in the actual core definition of a state, which is basically it's a hierarchical localized monopoly on violence, right? There's yeah. nothing in that that has that like says at all the state has to do anything for you, right? Like if if you know if 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 two hundred guys with guns show up and seize a place, right, they can create a state. They don't have to give you anything. The state is the, you know, the, the the fundamental core of the state is just a bunch of armed people who can order people around, and you know. But people people sort of can people sort of confuse the two. And the the and neoliberalism's entire thing is increasing the increasing the military. You know, the, the part of the state that takes things from you at gunpoint, and decreasing the part of the state that like gives you things. And you know, uh, one one of the, the there's. One one of the other things that that happens in this period is that it, labor increasingly stops being about making or doing anything and just becomes pure guard labor. So, you know, the 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 the, the last big neoliberal project that doesn't really get talked about as a neoliberal project ever is that mass incarceration is a neoliberal project. It started under under Nixon and under Carter. But you know, so when when Reagan takes office, the the, the American prison population is is about three hundred twenty nine thousand. Uh, when he leaves office, he has basically doubled it to uh, six hundred twenty seven thousand. We have now Jeez. more than doubled it again, 
and it, you know it, it 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 basically it it you know whenever you get a large neoliberal administration they, they you know they double it right uh it basically doubles again uh dream dream the clinton administration you know and it keeps accelerating and you know this is this is this is the other thing that that neoliberalism brings in which is that okay so neoliberalism produces this enormous population of people who don't have any jobs have no opportunities whatsoever are just screwed so what do you do with them and the answer is slavery and basically everywhere that you that you see neoliberalism you see massive increases in the, in the prison population it's, like the us is 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 the by far the worst example of this but this happens you know this happens basically across the world and what 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 you see is it, in place of you know, it's, it's, this, this is one of the things that drives politics in, in sort of in rural regions in the U.S., which is that you have these places that used to sort of have industries, used to particularly like coal mining, things like that, and it gets replaced by prisons because prisons, you know, having a prison in your sort of rural town is, is the only way to sort of ensure that you have a large economic base. And so, you know, like local, local city councils are, you know, incredibly pro-prison because it's like, oh, well, the prison will bring you jobs. And, you know, this means that Okay, so some some of the people, a lot of people who are prison guards are just you know fascists, but there's also people who are prison guards who normally would just be workers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, who have just been sort of you know there's nothing left, right? And they they're fighting. You know, uh, uh, Mike Davis talks about this. They're fighting this just in- incredibly desperate, ferocious struggle to like stay in the places they love and stay with their families and stay with their friends and stay with their communities. And the only way they can do this is you know by becoming part of this like just the neoliberal hell state and you know they don't like it either but that's you know that's what neoliberalism is right is you no longer have a job the only job available to you is picking up a gun and pointing it at someone who is exactly the same as you except you know they've been thrown into the slavery part of the system instead of the people holding the guns at the slavery part of the system and one of the things that 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 happens a lot the people just really conflate about what neoliberalism is is they confuse it with libertarianism yes and they're not the same thing and and it, it, this this is a this is a very confusing problem because well a the term neoliberal doesn't get used in the u.s all that much no and, and B, when people use it they usually use it to mean something bad and that's just about it yeah yeah and and you know and and also another part of the problem is that even if you go into like the Montpellier Society, right, which is you know this this is this is the arch neoliberal institution, it's just like basically like a think tank generator. There are there are libertarians in there. There there are, there are anarcho capitalists in in the Montpellier Society, and the Montpellier Society is fighting this sort of constant internal battle between the people who actually believe the things that they say publicly, like who actually believe you should have a small state, blah 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 blah, blah and the people who understand that that the, all the small state stuff is just like stuff you tell the masses in order to get them to like slash welfare things while you just hire more cops and probably the single biggest distinction between the libertarians and and the neoliberals is about border control now if 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 you listen to neoliberals on twitter or you listen to neolib- or you listen to libertarians right uh capitalism is supposed to have open borders it's supposed to be free movement of people etc 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 um if you look at literally everything every neoliberal government has ever done it's exactly the opposite it's they don't like that yeah no yeah they hate it and, and, and you know the the this whole thing about like oh you need workers to uh uh yeah if, if you if you if you let workers from other countries go into uh, into the u.s like oh they'll 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 decrease wages blah blah blah, blah. so the, the the period in which the u.s like had strong unions and strong wages and stuff was the period where there was like basically no militarization on the mexican border i mean there were some and you know it, there there's 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 a build-up sort of during the vietnam war and i mean there, there there'd sort of been one uh back like around the mexican revolution era but you know it's it's nothing it's literally nothing like it is today today the u.s border is this just absolute hellscape um i mean just like there's 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 this enormous perimeter of the U.S. border where just the Constitution doesn't apply, where like the Bill of Rights just doesn't exist. If 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 you're if you're if you're close enough to the border, it's it's all suspended. Uh, it's it's not entirely suspended, but like basically the the Border Patrol can just do whatever the fuck they want to you. And you know like this 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 is this is how the Border Patrol was able to be deployed in Portland, right? Because Portland's technically on the border, and so Border Patrol has increased power is there. And the the, the actual goal is so people people are always going to move. Right. 
And what, what the neoliberals figured out was that, you know, these, these, these enormous migrant labor populations, the, the, the best way you can exploit them is if they're just absolutely terrorized by just this, you know, in, incredible sort of ferociously hostile, murderous, just border regime run by fascists. And it works. Like they, they kill, they kill enormous numbers of people. They do horrible things. They put people in concentration camps. They sterilize people. They, like, they, they sexually assault children. They, they disappear people. They like steal people's babies. And this is, you know, this is what neoliberalism is, right? This, this is what it actually is in practice. This is, you know, like this is the, this is the, this is the policy that is imposed by neoliberal states. And. I think I, I want to end on that, and I want to end on a note about what the quintessential sort of figure of neoliberalism is, because I think you know, in, in the neoliberals' mind, right, the, the sort of the, the 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 quintessential neoliberal figure is like the small entrepreneur who's like, uh, who's you know turned their own creativity and like harnessed it into like the ability to create value, and you know they're creating things for the world and they're enriching themselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of leftists think of it as like the quintessential neoliberal is, you know, a Chicago a Chicago School of Economics person. Yeah. And I want to suggest that the quint the single quintessential like neoliberal figure is a riot cop. And specifically specifically the the you know if if you know every everyone by now knows what a riot cop looks like, right? I I, I want everyone to go back and even even from from like 2001 look at what a riot police officer looks like in 2001 versus what they look like now and then go back to even like the 1960s and look look at look at what those guys look like yeah no looking at footage from the 60s of riot cops is like really depressing cuz you're like I could take these guys. Yeah, they're they're just wearing t-shirts. Yeah, like, they're just it's guys. Like, it's it's way more of a fair fight. They have t-shirts and sticks. We could have t-shirts and sticks. That is a that, that's like the, a riot in the sixties. It sounds like now they also in some cases will, will be much more willing just to murder tons of people. Now yeah. there there is that exception, but in like a big street brawl. It is. It is generally a, a bit of a fair fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say also, sixties uh, police love love dogs. They love like sicking dogs oh, on people, which is really bad. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, but, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the, looking at the, at the two thousand one riot cops, and yeah, they are not yeah. nearly as robo copy. Nope. nope. I, as I, what they are now. During, during, the, during the Chilean uprising in twenty nineteen, I, I was talking to someone in, in Chile, and they, they were talking about how. Like they they were describing it as like the the cops were just like like something out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like it was like fighting the Shredder. They're, they're, yeah, you know, they, they, yeah, I mean, they like, had these like even 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 the LAPD riot cops for the nineteen ninety two riots. They're also still just wearing like yeah. colored shirts. Like they, they they just have they just have colored shirts and one stick. Um, yeah, and now versus now they're wearing yeah. their whatever dumb armor they have. Yeah, but you know, th- and this is this is you know, and this this is this is if if you want to trace the path of neoliberalism, it's this. It's a lot of the army surplus stuff that, like, the police have gotten. A lot of it's really scary. A lot of it also sucks. Like, a lot of those ATVs, every, like, everyone who's ever had to drive them hates them. But, you know, like, like my, my, like, absolutely tiny dinky town has a bear cat. That, and that shouldn't, that shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> I, I know where it <laughs> is, too. <laughs> like, I, 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 I know where the bear cat is. It, it's like, there shouldn't be a bear cat. Yeah, this, 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 my town is a tax cutout. Like it's it's literally a tax carve out. Like that that's the reason that's the only reason it exists. And it has a bear cat. And like yeah, no. you know, this is this is sort of the this is the consequence of 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 what neoliberalism is. And uh, uh, Vicky Osterwell talked about this on 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 the Occupy episode. But it's it's the cops become more like become more like the army. The army becomes more like the cops. And you know the the the, the result is this sort of panopticon surveillance states where like if you and seven people stand on a sidewalk 16 cops will show up yeah they've they've really uh excelled in making the capitalist realism doomer philosophy be almost like the base philosophy for anyone who takes two seconds to think about the world that they live in yep and you know and this has been really effective in a lot of ways but you know, uh, D- David Graeber point, uh, pointed this out, which is that the problem with doing this is that 
you know, okay, so like the, the, the enormous amount of guard labor, right? The enormous amount of sort of prison guards, enormous amount of, like that's all unproductive labor, right? You know, you you, yeah. you you make you make some of that money back off the, the companies make some of that money back off the slave labor, right? But like but that's, in general, they're the guards aren't adding anything. They're not yeah, they're, yeah, they're not right. they're not producing any, yeah. any goods, um and not really much service either. No, and, and, and this is and, you know, this, this this is a problem, right? Because because neoliberalism is profit driven. And so, you know, what what you have is is that the, the system has a choice between either it functioning or it making it appear as if it's the only system. And it chooses yeah, the that, latter that, that, basically yeah, that, that, that's time. the thing. Yeah. Is that it's 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 kind of profit driven, but honestly, the more that I the more that you've been talking, I'm like, no, it's just about eliminating any alternative. So it's not not yeah. even profit driven, it's that it's forcing itself to be the only acceptable option. Yeah. And that's and, how it gets so much of its power. Yeah, but but you know, the the the, the problem with this is that all of that sort of ideological coercion only lasts as long as the police can hold the streets. Which and, is... Uh, which is, they're good they, at it. They are, they are, but sometimes they're decent. You know, one, one of the story I want to end on is, so there's, you know, there, there, there has been in some, with more varying degrees of success, there has actually been resistance to neoliberalism. And there are places where people have won. There are, people, there are places where people have run the IMF out. There's people. There's places where people have, have you know, defeated coups where they've, like, you know, where, where they've, where they've, they've, they've successfully sort of taken over the state. There's places where, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's places like, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of things in Mexico, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's the Zapatistas who have, you know, are constantly besieged, but have carved yeah. out a territory yeah. in which they have, you know, like totally defeated the Mexican, almost totally defeated the Mexican state. And I think one of the sort of forgotten incidents in 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 the 2000s is this uprising in Oaxaca, where the, you, you, there's an, there's an enormous sort of a bunch of teachers are going on strike, and you know Oaxaca's uh, teachers unions are enormously powerful, incredibly radical, and so you know they, they, they one of the things they do is that they go into the city and they they have these like these giant sort of protest tents that they showed up, and they have these like giant camps, and in 2006 the police attack them. And so they start attacking, and the, and the, the teachers fight back. And so you you have there's this you know this 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 massive battle erupts, um, it just in the city. And you know this is this is all the, the police attack at like three in the morning, right? But they can't they there's not enough of them to clear teachers out, and the teachers hold, and they hold and they hold, and the the, the city of Oaxaca wakes up to this just enormous battle in the streets between a bunch of just like teachers, and the cops, and when Oaxaca wakes up. They are just like, what the fuck is this? And you know, they they join the teachers and they go fight the cops, and they 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 they're largely successful in like like they they beat them. They they drive they drive the police from the city, and you know, and and for 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 several months, the city is basically under the control of these like direct democratic councils, and like there there are these there are these things called, they call them mega marshes, which is a million people. We'll do a march through the streets, and the police the police just can't stop them because you know there's a million people, and yeah, that's yeah, that's and, the only way that I've seen it be successful, whether it be, you know, just a sheer sheer mass of people driving cops out of a police station, or you know, an entire city rallying behind people like in 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 Portland when the feds came. It's like you need to have like everybody to show up because yeah. they can fight two hundred, like. Yep. Twink anarchists, very yeah. pretty easily, you usually. Um, but when you have like all of the moms and dads and regular people come up, that is much more of a complicated uh fight on on like on on their end because yep. yeah, we'll still have the teenage frontliners throwing sh sh shit at the cops, but when you have like regular regular people behind them, that creates the whole media narrative to be something totally different and. It got the feds to back down in Portland when Trump really wanted to that yep. to not happen. And I think also the, the thing the thing that was incredible, incredible about Oaxaca is it wasn't just people sort of like standing behind them, like really like tens of thousands of people just joined the fight in 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 a way that you know it like and if you know if, if there's like fifty thousand people in a city throwing bricks at you, like you 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 either have to start shooting into the crowd or, or try to hold yeah, them. Yeah, you can't. And, you you can't. Yeah, and, 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 and even know, when you start shooting into the crowd, yeah, they tried it that, and it didn't work. It was a disaster. It made it, it made it even worse. Yeah, people, yeah. The, 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 the crowds grew larger, and like you know, one of the things that happens is uh, 
the 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 the, the revolutionaries try to like you know they, they they go to the radio station or like okay will you broadcast this the radio station says no and so they they start seizing radio stations all over all over the city incredibly and, big. yeah and they, they, yeah and then you know and they had they had these they had these like bonfires at the edge of the city where everyone sort of meets and like they're they're they're, they're sending they're, they're they're sending radio like messages like over, over over the radio stations they've taken over from like barricade to barricade and you know it, it, eventually the police and like the like the, the the mexican army shows up and at that point they're able to sort of retake the city and there's a couple of other things happening in mexico at this point that are sort of there's this giant sort of left-wing tide and the way that it gets stopped is that the Mexican army basically fully kicks off the the drug war and they kill. I mean, I, 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 I've seen numbers up to like 800,000 people in 10 years. They just, they, they basically, they basically genocide the indigenous population of, of, of Mexico. And, you know, I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's sort of, a place to leave it because wow what a hand, what what, what, yeah, what a you know warming hopeful note to end the show on yeah but i mean i think i think it is it is worth it is you know it's it, it's it's worth thinking about is one it is possible to beat the police two yes. the ruling class will literally bathe the entire country in blood like they also, they, they the will American destroy their own country army is yeah. different um the way i mean this gets discussed in season one yeah well, happened here but like the way the american military works I think they'll be less likely to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, 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 want, I want to put this out. Like, so what, the, the thing that they, the, the army doesn't directly murder people. What they do is, what they do is basically like, they, 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 they set off a bunch of fighting between the cartels, and then oh, and the cartels okay, okay. fucking murder enormous numbers of people. You know, we, it, we it, will it's, happily it's, murder each other, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, and, and also, it. you know, I mean, it, it's, it's also this is this is, you know, this is the thing with the Mexican state. It's, it's very, very difficult to tell where the cartels stop and where the Mexican that, army begins is, because a true. lot of them are the same thing. And like, you well, know, there, there's yeah, that but, is, you know, that that's is that's hopeful, what neoliberalism is. Hopeful note to end on, and yeah, just but, just to make the ending a bit better, I, I do want to say, I, I'm no longer gonna call anyone a uh, neoliberal. I, I made this joke in the group chat yesterday, and nobody responded to it, so I was sad. So I'll say it now. I'm I'm only gonna call them uh, Thomas Anderson liberals. That 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 that's, that is what I'm calling them now. Um, and I'll make everyone wait two seconds to understand what's going on, and then sigh, and then motion to get me out of the room. So <laughs> thank you, Chris, for uh, talking about neoliberalism. Yeah. <laughs> And thank, 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 thank you all for joining us. Uh, the, this, this has been it could happen here. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter if you so desire. If you want to uh, get, if you want, if you want yeah. people to know that you follow us and create a whole network of surveillance based, so everyone knows what you're watching and what you're listening to, to create a better picture of who you are online, so you can get get better advertisements. Yeah, follow us online. Yeah, join the Panopticon. Throw bricks at it. It is great. pretty funny how they tricked everyone into carrying around GPSs wherever they go. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's like everyone, oh, it's like oh, everyone, everyone, everyone in my town is like, oh, we can't get the vaccine. Uh, they have microchips in it. It's like you have a phone. It's, it's, it's hilarious <laughs> how they tricked us into carrying around speakers, cameras, and GPSs everywhere they, we go. It is really funny. It's amazing. All right. Well. All right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from cool zone media visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts you can find sources for it could happen here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com sources thanks for listening trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. 
Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.